Howdy, y'all. Cosmetic is a longtime sponsor of this show. Cosmetic makes topical CBD products like Tattoo Balm and CBD-infused pain cream. Each unit of Cosmetic's hemp pain cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their water-soluble patented CBD solution. Not only does Cosmetic's hemp-infused pain cream reduce pain via muscular penetration, it also aids in long-term healing of the targeted muscle area. Be kind to your skin and your muscles and go to Cosmedicated.com, place an order. That's C-A-U-S-E Medicated.com. Use the promo code from this podcast, SOS20, and get 20% off of your entire order. Love it, y'all. Podcast time. Welcome in, guys. How we doing, Scruffheads? Glad you guys are here. My name is Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast. This podcast is called South of Scruffy. Pumped you're here again. I have Daniel Wiseman on the show today. I'm so pumped that Daniel Wiseman came by. He is uh, he's an artist. He's an illustrator of books, kids' books, namely. Also today, the arborists, the the tree guys, uh, are coming to cut down the rest of the tree that fell on my house during last week's interview with Curtis Glover. <laughs> they're they're cutting down some uh, some other trees also, not just the one that 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 partially broke off and landed on my house during last week's interview, uh, but some other ones as well. So hopefully we won't have to deal with any podcast interruptions due to fallen trees, you know, for you know, ideally the next. 10 to 15 years. We'll see how that number plays out. So my guest, Daniel Wiseman, he's a New York Times bestselling illustrator. He illustrates books for kids. Like I said, Uh, his most recent work uh, was a book that he illustrated for Kristen Bell, uh, the actress. And that book is called The World Needs More Purple People. It's really awesome. If you have kids, you should definitely check it out. It's a fantastic book. It's wholesome. It's packed with useful parables. And you know, most of all, it's, it's beautifully illustrated by my man, Daniel Wiseman. So uh, Daniel's story that he's about to uh, let me in on is a really great snapshot of an artist's journey. It's, uh, it, it's that archetypal artist journey where you, you start out not being able to pay your utility bill and you end up illustrating New York Times best-selling books with one of Hollywood's most famous actresses. So I'd say it worked out for him, and I think you guys are going to love it. It was a great chat. Let's get into it. Let's talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, scruffheads, Daniel Wiseman. We're doing the podcast. Yeah, I'll take you sometime. I like it's hobbies. Not, it's... it's uh, I'm not the best in the world, but I might be able to put you on a fish or two. Hey. And even if you don't catch a thing, spending a day on the river yeah, is a fun. whole lot of That's fun. That's the great thing about fishing is yeah. even if you suck at it, it's still just kind of fun. Yeah. It's like being in the woods, but doing something. Yeah. I go to the woods to do nothing all the time. Exactly. It, yeah. it gives you it gives you a purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Noble or not, it gives you something to do while like you're in the middle that. of a really cool place. Have you uh, been, uh, God, have you been able to stay busy? With work and all that, uh, you know, I this era, I've had to make myself busy with work. Um, this is the first time. It's funny because it, I don't think it was because of 
what's going on, you know, the pandemic or whatever. I think it, it just happened to be this way. It's the first time since 2016 that I haven't had multiple projects really? to work on. And I've had probably since May with no books. Really? And um, I'm a writing. I don't, I'm not a writer, mm -hmm. but it's sort of the natural progression for somebody who illustrates to go out and start making. Is it? I wonder which own. way, which way it goes, because a lot of times, a, a lot of times it seems like my, my limited knowledge, it seems like a lot of uh, books or authors, kids books in particular, you know, the illustrators are the well-known Mm -hmm. ones a lot of times yeah and do they start illustrating and then and then they they grow into the writing part does that happen uh you know it's all over the board yeah i suppose um some of the of i guess my peers that are are working now have worked that way they've mm -hmm. illustrated you know several books sort of got their name out there and then began to write gotcha um but it could go Either way, Either and a way. lot of people do both, you know, from the start, it's, it's a skill that the two skills can go hand in hand. Yeah. It didn't for me. Yeah. I, I've never been a writer. I've always just liked to draw. Yeah. Um, not as confident with writing, but I recently wrote some stories that, uh, I think I'm going to pursue farther. That's awesome. With pitching things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can, I don't know, I, f I feel like writing is, I know it's a very tough art, you know, it's hard to be good at, but I feel like drawing is, is even harder. It is. I think it's just, you know, things come naturally to certain people or you foster a <laughs> hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer down. down as it fell over. <laughs> um, you foster whatever you're interested in, right? You, you do it all the time if you like to do it. So I, uh, <laughs> other than journaling my sad teenage angst I really foster much writing I usually just would sit in my room and draw my Grateful Dead posters instead oh nice um but it's uh, drawings just something I've always done and writing is not yeah so what I I I guess I think I don't I don't know any other illustrators especially people is that what I call you an illustrator yeah is that what, yeah or? I guess now um yeah I've, I've worn a lot of hats and I think that's what I think a lot of people that are creative in this era have to wear a lot of hats because yeah. you have to, you, you have to survive, right? You mm -hmm. have to make money. So, you know, most will call themselves designers mm -hmm. or illustrators or UI designer, you know, yeah. whatever you can do that you can come off like you know how to do it yeah right? well but you've done a lot of kids books recently right i've done 16 wow since 2016 wow yeah so it's it's a pretty new thing for you then three or yeah. four years yeah it's oh, um, wow it's i've been working hard oh, for dang, the past dude. few years um but you, you said it was usually three or four or five books a year or something like that yeah it's i guess on average this wow. past year i packed them in really um it just kind of happens that way yeah. you know when it rains of course kind of thing yeah. has been true for my career so far so sometimes i'll you know i'll get uh onslaught of of uh they pitch me basically as an illustrator through, through your you, agent or something like yeah, that. And yeah. And if you don't write, then normally, you know, there's lots of authors out there that don't draw. Right. And, and so they'll, they'll sell a manuscript up. to a publishing company and mm. the publishing company, if they, you know, know me, 
then they'll reach out or, you know, come across me. They'll reach out to my agent and my agent will pitch it to me and I'll read it and see if I want to do it. That's awesome. Um, Get to choose. Yeah, it's great. I, I so far have not turned down one because I also like to. Eat. You got to play hard to get though, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm, you never yeah, know. That number really doesn't work for me, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately they've all been things I've wanted to do. Good. There's been a couple that sometimes you have to submit samples. Mm. The publishing company will, you know, have a few different illustrators in mind and they'll see how you sort of envision the story. Yeah. Um, there's been one or two that I've submitted samples and they've gone the other way. Really? So it's um, a, almost a bidding process a little bit. Yeah. A bit like that. Um, a very, or like an RFP targeted, <laughs> targeted bidding. Yeah. yeah. An RFP in the form of like, a bunch of sketches of a chicken yeah, <laughs> as opposed to a document full of numbers. Yeah. Um, a boom, earthquake. Yeah. I just, that was my knee. That's all right. Um, that's cool though. Yeah. I, that, that's interesting to hear how the process works. Yeah. There's, a, there's, you know, there's more to it, but I'm sure there's, that's, that's how it begins. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm me, sure there's know. lots of approval processes and all that kind of fun. Yeah. Stuff. There's a lot of, you know, fortunately I have an agent, so there's a lot of the legal yeah. garbage too. The that revision cycles. And the, the, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you have a contract full of like rights and world international rights and, yeah. and U.S. rights and yeah, it's all publishing stuff. All that stuff that I pay my, you know, percentage for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your great. agent is earning their keep that yes, way. Yeah, yes, exactly. She's fantastic. Well, so how do you, get, I mean, how do you get into it? I mean, you said you've been doing it relatively recently and if I, or just, you know, last three or four years, but if I remember correctly, uh, when your wife Elizabeth was on here, she mentioned that uh, you in St. Louis you had been working in like graphic design or like yeah. UI kind of stuff. I've always done graphic design, and I've always done a very, uh, I guess you'd call it an illustrative okay. form of graphic design. You know, I, I always try to inject my my own drawings into anything. Yeah, I, you start I did. with the hand and you digitize it, and yeah, go from there. And um, you know, I started before that before the corporate job that you're, you're mentioning, um, here when I was in a band, mm. um, I was in a band all through my twenties. That oh, was cool. what I was going to do. Nice. Right. Was be a drummer. Yeah. And, and, and every, live that every band needs a drummer. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> some of them, some don't, <laughs> and that's okay. Well, drummers are hard to find. They are. Good and they're ones. always the, the coolest members of the band. No doubt. And the best looking yeah. for sure. <laughs> At least in my band. Absolutely. Every band I've ever been in. Yeah. Every band I've been in, the drummer was super hot. Yeah. Well, well. so, okay. Did you grow up in Knoxville? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Middle school, high school. Okay. Where'd 20s. You, yeah. Where was where was that? Was Carnes. That? Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Beaver. Yeah. Where yeah. were you before that? Uh, Dad moved around for Yeah. Work? So, I, you know, I went back and forth to my grandparents. Oh, cool. Uh, my mom was single. Um, so I grew up kind of latchkey style, yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, then I moved in with my grandparents close to St. Louis. Okay. And um, and then when I was 12, my grandfather passed away and I moved mm -hmm. back here. My mom had remarried and that was about the start of seventh grade. Okay. And so that's when I stayed here. Gotcha. That's when I was became the beaver. 
Yeah. Than I am today. Yeah. Grandmother started dating in St. Louis. Is yeah, that how that went? Right. And, and then you and then you moved back here. Started dating ex priests. Ex yeah, former priests. Uh, became a beaver. <laughs> yeah. And it's then was the, it was the old that old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that trajectory you see all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. So were you drawn and all that growing up? Yeah, yeah, I um, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. Oh, I was cool. Really into like Calvin and Hobbes, yeah. Far Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, stuff was so good, man. Man, it was. I yeah. loved it. Even yeah. before I understood what it meant, mm-hmm. I loved it. Absolutely. And there was this um, this funny, way too old for me set of books by a uh, Simpsons guy, Matt Groening, mm-hmm. called Life in Hell. Have you oh, ever okay. heard of that? It's this uh-uh. cartoon series he did, and. And it would have these funny, um, like fake advertisements within oh, it. Yeah. And I would try to recreate those. Oh, that's cool. Show them to my art teacher. And so that was, that was like good and kind of graphic design type stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I always even subconsciously had that like idea of, of design gotcha. as part of art. That's cool. You know, posters or design. I was always, you know, a few years after middle school, I got really into hippie music yeah. because my stepdad was a hippie and yeah. uh so i'd steal all his grateful dead albums and all his you know who albums stuff like that and then i eventually got the posters got the shirts and i start drawing those and yeah and doing that so it's it, cool you know I, I i did that all the way through high school i have this i, I can i could go through step by step i have this uh, keynote presentation that i i show to like third graders when I talk to schools. Um, and, and part of it that, that part of it is when I realized because I would draw, I would draw these things and the the kids at school would see them and they'd ask me to draw stuff for them. And that was like the moment when I realized that, that what I liked to do had the ability to make other people happy. Mm. And that, that was kind of a breakthrough moment for me. And it was in demand too, right? Yeah, it was, (laughs) you know, I, I drew some girl's tattoo in high school really she got um, it tattooed yeah i don't know dude how. it was a turtle with a tie-dyed shell nice yeah, right and draw, drawing from your grateful dead yeah, uh, exactly yeah. all us 90s high school kids that had no idea who yeah the grateful dead really was yeah. um they were yeah. about done by then right or were they done i think he died when i was in high school yeah, 95, 95 jerry garcia yeah. yeah um so yeah they were doing stuff but yeah i don't know it was it was as much about the the persona that the Grateful Dead yeah. sort of gave out. Yes. And also the fact that we all just kind of liked weed. Yeah. <laughs> <That'll>, <laughs> you can attach yourself to we, that pretty quick. We're like, oh, that's cool. So did they. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's like a, it's a counterculture line. thing. It's like yeah. a, the, you, you could give a damn about their music. You know, it's what yeah. they represented. That it's like a lot of people. made you like it. You know, yeah, you're like oh, I guess I can like this. Yeah, I can like this music because I yeah. like smoking pot too. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and Jimi Hendrix. I mean, Jimi Hendrix is great. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. There's that whole 311. It was yeah. just like those were these this 90s like moment sure. for me, and I would just like try to draw it all yeah. the time. Um, well, that's a far cry from illustrating children's books. Yeah, it is. So you've got to have some chops in between there, right? Some good range. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I did that. And then I was like, well, I need to learn how to play music since I like music so yeah. much. And so I, I sort of like stopped drawing oh. and started playing drums and, I, you know, joined a band and, and a, a, somewhere in there, Photoshop became a thing. Yeah. And like late nineties Photoshop yeah. kind of became accessible. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until 2000, 
four or five that I finally had a computer that I could that would run it, use it. Yeah. yeah. And I was in a band and we started like recording stuff and mm-hmm. making albums. So I'd make uh, album covers mm-hmm. for the band. And this is the other breakthrough moment that I use in that presentation that I give uh, that other bands started asking me to do stuff mm. for them. And that's when I realized that not only could I make people happy with it, but I could make money with it. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, wow, I can make 500 bucks, you know, making an album cover yeah. for this band I like anyway, yeah. some friends and make everybody happy. And so that was sort of, you know, this album cover sucked. Did they? But yeah, some of them did. You know, after a while, I got, you know, fast forward a few years, I got better at it. I did a few. Uh, remember that band Jagstar? Yes. I did one of their yes. albums. Uh, Eric Baker. Yeah. I did his Eric first Baker's EP. Eric Baker's been on the show. Um, I love Eric. He's a great I, dude. I, we we have lost touch of recent, but, you know, 15 years ago, we used to be good buddies. Yeah. I like Eric a lot. Um, well, Mike, Mike Deering was running around with you guys. Yeah. Then, and, yeah. So and we, Eric and there know, was one, Matt together. Brewster. Yeah. Were you buddies with him? Yeah. Too? Well, they were yeah. in that Eric and Matt, Matt and, Eric. and Andy would oh, yeah. did would. Uh, Kingston Alley like patio all the time. Yeah. And we would go listen to them. And that's yeah. how I met them. And gotcha. Mike knew them. But Mike worked for Travis Wyrick. Yep who was a producer for all these bands. That's how I did the Jagstar album. Um, yeah. And so like Travis, POD and like a bunch yeah, of POD. Yeah. One time their drummer hung out at the bar I bartended at, and we all hung out one night. It was really strange <laughs> um, to hang out with the POD drummer in Knoxville, Tennessee. Did you geek uh, out with him about drums? <laughs> I think we just were really drunk. I honestly don't remember anything about that night other than he, he upset some guy that uh liked the girl that liked him that mm. was just you know a yeah. drum, classic drummer move so metal yeah you know I've, how many times have i done that you know, i understood that was your signature was move right like, how many guys can upset your girlfriend likes me sorry um yeah that didn't happen that often so album covers album covers so yeah. did album covers travis wyrick um i was living with mike at the time he worked with travis so i would I got to know yeah. Travis and Travis would start sending the bands that would come through to me occasionally mm. because I would do their album art like completely yeah. for pretty inexpensive because. Yeah. So Travis would... was a one-stop shop at this point. Yeah. Right? And it really, you know, uh, I've sent cinema uh, a few messages thanking him yeah. for that because Good. it's, you know, it really helped me. A yeah. Lot. I bet. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's some cachet there. Like you're doing stuff for bands that are, yeah. And it, you know, I, I, I was able to learn the trade. I was able to album art's a funny thing because it, it takes a lot of design knowledge and text layout, you know, stuff, but also there's a lot of um, art to it. Sure. Right. And, and I still like to do it. I don't get a chance to ever, but I pretend to do it sometimes on my own. Um, I miss the tactile nature of pulling a man, sleeve out and turning the pages and everything. Great. Yeah, it was really Being cool. Being in a band, it was really cool too. Cause you, you know, you'd work real hard writing songs and then you'd, you know, in, in my shoes, I would make the album art. So I'd have this like double, like you get a box of CDs you ordered and then yeah. all the stuff is like open in a Christmas present. It was yeah. really great. And yeah, I remember growing up being, you know, riding in my parents' car with my CD Walkman in just like, I mean, oh, I knew CD every walking. word on every single mm-hmm. page of the booklet, you know, and in, in some of those CDs. And it's yeah. like, man, this is this this is art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, really. As much as the music is. Yeah, and and it used to, it used to have that kind of weight, and it 
you know, everything's so disposable these days. It's kind of why I like books. A yeah. Lot well, they're not, still tactile, right? Yeah. It's still a thing and it, it'll be around after I'm not, you know? Yeah. Especially with kids books, because I mean, I, I think even parents are cognizant of like, I don't want to have a, a screen in bed with my kids at mm-hmm. night when I'm trying to, you know, yeah, you can't replace them. Yeah, yeah. So far, right. You know, I mean, maybe someday you'll be able to implant them in your kid's brain or face something. But it just projects on their so back far, of their eyes. It's it's a nightmare trying to get an iPad out of my kid's hands after they've had it for a minute. So yeah, but I think books are irreplaceable. Yeah, at this I think point. so. And I think parents are starting to get hip to like, okay, we're around screens all day long. Let's take it back to the basics and yeah. read it. Read a, a paperback book. It's a nice book. time. Yeah, and I like that about it. You know, before if you fast forward my my story, before books, I um, right before I started doing books, I I did that marketing, you know, corporate gig, and that was a lot of. Is like, that like ad agency stuff or? Um, it was. It, I mean, it's really boring, but it's. Uh, it was a business to business company that created, uh, they had trademarked this incentive program for other businesses. So okay. we'd, we'd make these gift cards and mm-hmm. we had accounts with all these big brands. So you like we'd make boilerplated like, some, some incentive program and, and could put each company's branding exactly. on it, depending on, and then we'd it. brand it to the company. So yeah. I'd make these different like card faces and it would be like the dad card and home Depot and, yeah you yeah. know, Orvis and sure. crap like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it sucked, man. It was, it was okay sometimes. And I got to like inject my personality into things. Did you occasionally? That's good. I, they, I got there at a time when they had turned the marketing department into more of an ad agency yeah. type situation. So we had a creative director. Uh, I was an art director and, um, we had a developer and we worked with an IT department and, and did like websites for these companies where they yeah. could check their own balance on their card and all yeah. that stuff. And building it, infrastructure around this incentive program. Yeah. And it, it was, it was cool at the time. I was a little bit younger. Um, this was the St. Louis gig. This was when I first moved to St. Louis. Gotcha. The, um, the one where uh, you guys were stopping at a buddy's house uh, yeah. on the way out there. Yeah, right. He was like, do, um, do this, the, do the this old interview. singer from my band. And he was a developer <laughs> there. And, um, and then he was like, I could probably get you a job, you know, making like 15 bucks an hour with me. If you want to come back up at the time, I, I mean, zero negative balance on my bank account. Sure. It was like a sad time in my sure. life. Sure, I remember that. It's probably, those times. probably one of the, charming moments for elizabeth was how vulnerable i was with how sad my life was i was like look <laughs> i would take you on a date but i literally can't buy this waffle house coffee so we're gonna have to leave without paying for it um, i'm a disaster of a human being I you can come with me if you'd like totally suck but i'm a drummer so you can't deny that that physical attraction you have to me um the inherent yeah, physical attraction I know you, that you feel have. it it's electric um, so he was like, he was like, you know, he could probably $15 an hour. And I went up there and they were like, name your hourly wage. And I was like, Oh, 40 bucks an hour. And they were like, okay. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and so I took the job and that's kind of how we got rooted in St. Louis. But, you know, I was a contract worker there for a year. Then I came up full time and then. 
they realized that my friend Rob um, and I were temporary there because we were we had higher expectations from our life. It was a stepping stone for you guys, for us. And so they, they also realized that it was probably the best their stuff had looked. Nice. And so we went in there one day and we were like, look, we can either leave or we can leave and take you on as a client and continue to do this work. And Mm. you, we keep our salary. We, you just pay us a different way. Yeah. And so we started our own little agency and, and took them on as a client, got, you know, an office and Elizabeth's now studio is the same, nice. same room. That's um, a really smart way to start a business. Start yeah. it with a client that you already have, be it, able to do that work and then have human resources available awesome. to do more work and for other clients outside of that. It was great. And, and what was even better is that the place was still filled with, you know, these marketing directors that came from these other companies that knew people that knew people that knew people. So we'd get these jobs through them. And so, you know, we've, build up our time with more clients nice. and we're able to do that. And then a couple years after that, uh, we had another buddy and his best friend approached us. And this is kind of where my world took a turn for kids stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he approached us with this idea that he had, um, he was going to, he was going to start a company called pixel press and he had this draw your own video game technology. Wow. That he was patenting. And we did wow. a sort of like a smoke and mirrors Kickstarter video for it, it's like showing what it could be. Yeah. And uh, the Kickstarter got funded and we made like a like 110 grand or something nice. from the Kickstarter and started a company. And I became the creative director for this video game company that, you know, through the years for a few years. And it's still kicking around. It, it, it was. Yeah, it's still kicking around a little bit at. It, it, a point in time we had partnered with Mattel and we were 18 people strong Oh wow! and um, had made a star Wars version of our game oh, and that's... done all this like fun stuff. But <clears throat> what was the name of the company? It's called pixel press. The, oh, that was the, pixel press. Yeah. And okay. the, um, was this Kickstarter the product was called Bloxels and Bloxels. It, it turned from drawing into like this color coded board mm-hmm. with blocks that you could put in and build like pixel art and build game level maps that's and sweet. stuff. It was, it's actually really cool. And it's still a really great tool for, um, education. Yeah. I bet that teaches design thinking and they, they sell it in the schools and that's what they mainly do now. So like Minecraft junior. It is, it, <laughs> it is a lot, a lot of the same demographic, I guess yeah. kids that like video games. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big demographic, right? Um, so this is all still in St. Louis. Yeah. So this is in St. Louis and this is, you and know, how long did that span take from from working for the B two B incentive company to Pixel Press and Bloxels? How long was that? Uh, four period? years. Okay. Um, cool. And then Bloxels is around for. I mean, it's still around, but I worked f- for them for about four to five years. Cool. And during that time, I had sort of. It was never still like my cup of tea. I don't like. It, it taught me that it wasn't. You know, so I don't. I don't like managing people. Yeah. I don't like the the role that creative director became there, mm. which was telling other people what to do and telling other art directors do. what to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I like hiring people. That was a fun part of it and finding yeah, like like, good too. talent. Um, but you don't get to do the stuff, you know, you get right. to sort of come up with the, the idea and then sort of let go. And, yeah. I, and that's, 
I don't like that. Yeah, you so. hear people talk about that all the time. People mm-hmm. who are creators at heart, you know, they they get they out promote their usefulness yeah, at some point, or their pad. They get out they out promote get out promoted their passion and mm-hmm. they like no longer do they get to be boots on the ground doing yeah. the actual work they're and managing a, a team of you know 10 people who do all the work it's now it's funny that way because you yeah. think you know you, it's this natural ladder to climb yeah and you get there and you're like sort of deflated <laughs> yeah you know and paycheck's nice but like the fun part of this job is gone <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and, and through that time i did you know there were points in time that i really liked there was one we, you know, when it was still a drawing thing, we partnered with Cartoon Network and did an Adventure Time game. Cool. And uh, I got to, like, draw a bunch of Adventure Time stuff. What's that? What's and Adventure Time? Adventure Time is a cartoon. I'm sure you've seen it. It's Finn and Jake. It's the kid with the funny white hat that kind of looks like a bunny. And his face oh, is I in the middle of a circle. And he's got a dog friend that can turn into anything. Oh, that's cool. Um, What's it called? Adventure Time? Adventure Time. Yeah. It's actually really funny cartoon show but <laughs> it, it was um it was a lot of fun to work with that property and to work with those people and and go down to atlanta is where the cartoon yeah. network mm-hmm. you know game studio stuff is and they they created like the thing with that that property is they have all these wizards of different um like lands yeah and they created a whole new one for this game and they brought in weird al to voice it. Oh, that's fun. Like it just became this really cool thing. So there were things like that that happened sporadically. The star Wars thing was really cool. I got to, and that was a Bloxels thing. Yeah, that was a Bloxels thing. And that was, um, through Mattel and Lucasfilm. And, um, I I got, there was some money behind that. There was, we got to hire quite a bit of people to do that and then keep them. But it, in the end it tanked and, and, um, they didn't market it through, through the time we were partnered with Mattel. They, completely changed everyone that worked there literally mm, that's tough um in our department loss of continuity yeah as the ceo changed twice i think yeah. um the first star wars franchise to ever fail yeah right <laughs> um but it was fun i got to do the the first pixel art versions of the star wars characters since the super nintendo star wars game awesome i got to make which How was, was really neat is i mean it's kind of nerve-wracking at yeah. the time you Were do you this, star wars guy you do this, uh, you know, I'm not yeah. really, but, um, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't watch them all the time. I usually yeah. fall asleep in them. Yeah. I'm sure a lot I of people you. not yeah. like that, but, but it's an undeniable franchise that is yeah. ubiquitous. Yeah, and Everybody recognizes you, it. You know, the, the world building that he's done with that and that they've done with that is amazing. Sure. Um, but when you work with Lucasfilm, it's interesting. I didn't realize this. Every week, you have a call with one person. I mean, there's probably more people like this, but this guy named Chris, I forgot his last name, and he's like the Star Wars like guru. He'll approve or not approve anything that you make. It could be art. It could be maps of Tatooine. It could be a story you've made up or music. Doesn't matter what it is. He can, you get on a call, he like talks about it and tells you what to change and you go back and change it and then you come back wow. and you hope that he likes it. He's the godfather of, of all, all things. He's Star Wars intellectual like, property. He's like Obi-Wan, <laughs> except that's amazing. A real person. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. You know, we got to do that crap and, and I got to really build a portfolio of, of stuff that 
that kids like. Yeah. I, I tried to create characters and storylines and these things in our games and tried to like shoehorn this crap in that, you know, would never work. Um, <laughs> but but I, what do you mean? Shoehorn stuff that you wanted to put in or? Yeah. I yeah, mean, the natural way for that game to have been was kids can create whatever they want. And yeah. I was always pushing like, well, we need to make storylines and you choose your own adventure. For these like games to like, for these kids to use, yeah. which, you know, in some way is true. So I'd make, I made this thing, this whole story called Brave Squad. And it was about these like space rangers and Brave stood for boss removal and villain extermination. Perfect. And uh, like you'd go around and, and we had comic books and I hired these workers to make comics. And and it, it, we did another Kickstarter and people were like, no, that's stupid. And I was like, All But right. you had a great acronym. I mean, that's yeah, like most stuff gets like it. pushed through government just because it has a good acronym, exactly. you know? <laughs> yeah, I still want to use it for something. Maybe I'll make a book out of it. I don't know. I'll probably have to ask the investors and the board <laughs> to do that. But it's theirs now. You know, I got to I got to sort of realize that I liked I liked that part of art was doing stuff for kids. The kid part? And, and somewhere in there, even before that, I, I like making a kid's book. I was like, Oh, that'd be awesome. I make one and I'm rich, you know, yeah. but, um, in there is where I finally was like, Oh, I can do this and I can, and I can do it well. And I, I sort of on my own time built a portfolio that was more suited to picture books uh, gotcha. rather than video games. Like back to the Calvin and Hobbes kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. And or not it, graphic novels or comics, but yeah, it was what's a picture book. How's that different? So a picture book is a very specific kind of children's book. That is the kind that you normally buy. It's the ones that have the, probably have a jacket on it. It's yeah. a larger, hard, hard, uh, cover mm -hmm. paper pages. And Still got words in it books. though, right? Huh? Still has words in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just called a it's picture book. It's just a picture because, book because yeah, it's got That tells the story too. too. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, it's normally 32 pages. It's, really? Uh, yeah. There's oh, a very okay. specific formats for kids' wow. books that you, you really work. There's word counts. and. Oh, that's crazy. Very, and if it's, you know, if it has to be for a certain age range to be a picture yeah. book, otherwise you kind of age it down to a board book. Um, so I, what did I hear? You You probably know the answer to this. Like, Cat in the Hat and a bunch of other uh, Dr. Seuss books use like a very limited amount of uh, unique words. Mm -hmm. And there's like a, a, a list of words that you can use and that you can't use. Like you can't use words on a certain reading level or above. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. And, uh, and so like hop on pop, but, you know, yeah. whatever. Like and I think it's I think it's changed a bit since then. Um, I think people have uh, at least empowered in publishing have realized that kids can take in a little yeah. more than they probably gave them credit for in sure. the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, so sometimes it's, it's uh, celebrated when you use big words and sometimes it just depends, yeah. you know, on who, who's reading it. Yeah. Um, I, I worked with an author that we did a book called my brother, the duck. And it's about, I saw that one this girl website. who thinks her brother might actually be a duck and it's of this like science thing and she's doing experiments and there's lots of big words in it like hypothesis and oh yeah and um that's a hard one to run yeah it what is. was the other one you just said I, pfft, that was what i said <laughs> <laughs> okay that, that's the noise for i can't remember what the other words are but yeah and and there's a lot of reviews on it that are like there's there's great words that i can sort of explain to my kid while i'm reading it 
that this is what this means. But then some people don't want to do that. Right. While they're reading a book. So yeah, it just embarrassed me in front of my kids. Cause I don't know what hypothesis yeah, means. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get my phone out. Um, <laughs> Ruin the whole thing. So, so that's, that's up. That's got you through like, St. Louis and starting to get into the, into the starting to thing. get into the kids book thing. Yeah. So just real quick in between being in bands back here mm-hmm. and, and starting your first $40 an hour graphic design gig in St. Yeah, Louis, right. what was that little gap like? Um, really sad and, uh, poor and, and, um, it's really sad. So the most important part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you, it was the character building part. Yeah. Uh, it was where I learned the parts of me that I don't like. That's it though. Uh, you got to know those. Yeah. You it was figure out your demons. So I was in the band and you know, we're doing shows and we're doing fun stuff during this time. I also worked at a bar in Market Square that is now not there called World Grotto. Oh, I loved that place. World Grotto was awesome. It was so good. And I worked there for almost three years. Did it get shut down because Scott West went to jail? No. It, it got uh, shut down before that? No, after. So he had ah. a co-owner who, oh, after okay. he left left town, sure, yeah, um, she sort of ran it. Okay. And, um, or she did run it, and not sort of at all. She's a wonderful person who I, I still adore named Susie. Um, and that was to this day, probably the only place I've worked where I would spend my free time there. Everybody felt like family. Like yeah. it was a different good lifestyle. Culture, man. It was also the time I lived with Mike and we were partying a lot. Yeah. And uh, I was bartending and, you know, the things that go along with bartending, sure. drinking, and staying up all night, staying up all night, sleeping all day. Yeah. Um, and then I, I guess I, I left there and it's a little foggy. <laughs> <laughs> I moved in a, a, during that time. My, my buddy, Rob, who was the guy that moved to St. Louis. Um, Oh yeah. We, the singer from we lived band. together, singer from my band, and sort of simultaneously like became single from these long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. And and um, the, it was before that 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 happened. But we moved in together. And at this point in time, we were just like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of Knoxville. Yeah. And so we were. Knoxville's got to be the problem. Said, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, right? <laughs> no. We learned that quickly. Um, we set this date. It was so stupid. We were like, all right, well, on November 15th. I remember the day we're going to move to St. Louis and this because you had like ties there or what? Yeah. Like, so I, I was born there yeah, and uh, he was born there just ah, coincidentally. Gotcha. And so we both had family there Cool. and it was just a natural, like big city, pretty close. We could yeah. move to seven um, hour drive. We could, and we, we, we sort of found jobs. I got laid off for mine two weeks after I moved there. Um, <laughs> He was like, I moved there. He's like, well, I don't have 40 hours a week. I have like 10. Oh, great. So I did construction. Uh, so we moved there, continue on this downward spiral of just shit. Yeah. And debauchery. Oh, man. Just awful, awful. Rum time. diaries level depravity. Oh, just <laughs> terrible people. And. And I'm doing construction and we're living in this house that's more expensive than any house I ever lived in here. And. <laughs> Eventually, like things just start to get cut off. We'd been there for about nine like months. Like utilities? Yeah, utilities. <laughs> yeah, like arms. <laughs> a couple legs, a couple arms, and we moved away. No. 
like the gas got cut off. We're taking cold showers and yeah. the internet got cut off and we're stealing the neighbor's Wi-Fi. And finally I was like, dude, I was delivering pizza, which I was a pro at at that point because sure. I'd done it several different places, oh, Knoxville sure. and there. And I was like, we're not making any money. I don't have enough money to pay for this, this gas bill. And, and he, um, he had met a girl and, and was dating her and was like, staying at her house every night because she had hot water and I was alone <laughs> in this dark internetless <laughs> cold water prison. Oh, and I was like, dude, I'm moving back home. And I moved Did back you? to my mom's house at the age of 29. Nice. And, um, and that was in 2009. And she was in Knoxville. She was in Knoxville. Okay. Well, she's not anymore, but she was then. Right. And continued being really sad and that was in probably july august so you made it from november to july and yeah uh, in 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 st louis Louis. and it just tore me up and spit me out yeah and i uh then i met elizabeth in october and there's something about i don't know it sounds super like stupid but (laughs) you meet somebody who like believes in you yeah and also is pretty stable mentally yeah. and and uh you know in her not career at that point but just had an apartment and with gas and was in school had electricity <laughs> we didn't need gas there there's no gas but we had hot water and uh you know we we sort of it, it just sort of clicked and i started to like do design again and i got some jobs here and there doing like myspace pages for people yeah. and and um still had the, so uh, leveraging the band thing a little yeah, bit still. still doing a little bit of that and then right after that you know six months after that is when we moved to st louis yeah. the second time for me what do you think you know what if you had to look back at it what do you think she saw in this dude that had just been chewed up and spit out by st louis besides the the obvious <laughs> he's a drummer drummer good looks <laughs> and you know all the other things that go along with that. Um, you know, I honestly, to this day, don't really know. Really? There's not a whole lot about me that's that redeeming. Oh, Besides, I guess, I guess at that time, she probably thought I was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So that goes a long way. Sure. She isn't anymore. Yeah. But that's why I have to keep She's so sick people. of your shit now. Yeah. Now she's like, good joke, Daniel. Yeah. That's, why don't you nice go joke, put the Dad. kids to bed and shut up? Um, <laughs> well, dude, I had a, a kind of a similar experience with my wife when mm-hmm. we when we started dating. I had been I'd been out to L.A. Very similar story. Out yeah. to L.A. Two years out there. You know, it's like, can't take it anymore. Very much chewed up and spit out. But Mm. I got a lot of experience in the film business when I was out there. Yeah. And when, well, relatively, as much as you can get in two years. And when I got back, I was just doing odd jobs here and there, just making, you know, a little bit of money Mm. and all that. But when when I started dating Sarah, it was like... It's going to take a little bit more than this to hang on to her. Yeah, right? You have to (laughs) sort of, like, get your shit together. Yeah. And, And I sort of did. And I think there is... Maybe it's different as a guy if a, if if you met a woman that came off this way. Maybe not. I, I never have. But most women have their shit together more than I did. But I think there's a certain charm to being vulnerable in that way. Yeah. To be able to, like, admit to the fact that you're like, look, this is what I got. Yep. And it's like these ripped up jeans and this old pair of shoes and... Mm-hmm. 
but I don't know. There was something that happened. There was like, I, I we started dating and and my family immediately started liking me better, <laughs> and, and I started getting more opportunities. It was probably had a lot to do with just my general like uh, attitude changed. Um, you know, we from the, from the first kiss literally we like i basically like lived with her yeah and um just it it hasn't it hasn't gone downhill since then you've still been on this kind of upward yeah upward trajectory yeah um you know knock on yeah whh yeah some kind of composite looks Uh, like (laughs) knock on this this uh asbestos it's sawdust and super glue (laughs) yeah asbestos Um, but you know, there's there's something to be said to, to having someone on your side that like supports you. Yeah, and I never really had that. Before. And somebody that you respect too. And, yeah, and, because you know, it has her own thing. Yeah, all right. You know, she's yeah. she's a brilliant photographer. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, I don't think much of myself, but they sure think a lot of me, yeah. and they have their shit right. together. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna she's trust them. Smart. So she married me. I must be awesome. Um, no, so it's, I get it, that though. It's it's been, and I'm sure there's been some synergy there. Like I'm sure that that you know, yeah. I'm sure you've helped helped her after yeah, listening to her. To, yeah. uh, after listening to her story, uh, I mean, you guys are both, you guys both kind of bootstrapped it from the start, and yeah, and kind of have built some pretty awesome careers. Yeah, it's been you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of great, and <laughs> and it's sometimes you take it for granted a little bit. But when you, I'll, I'll have these moments where I'll sit back in my chair and working, and I'll be drawing like, like boogers and stuff. I'm like, what a job! Yeah, you know, exactly. This is so weird. There, is there some gratitude that co- do you have like that out of body experience moment where you're like, I'm getting paid to draw boogers right yeah, now? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it, it happens. You know, you get bogged down with deadlines no matter what. Right. You, you do, and you get bogged down with work sometimes. Yeah. Even if your job's badass or parts of it that you're like absolutely there'd be people that would kill to do what i do every single day and sometimes i still bitch about it yeah and i think that's you know it's a way for it happens to anybody yeah but most of the time i i'm super grateful yeah for just the the freedom that it gives me to be at home you know when shit hits the fan like it is now i Mm -hmm. i can I can have my kid do virtual school and not have to worry about, am I going to lose my job because yeah. my kid's not going to school sure. or do I have to send him to school and get sick? I, yeah. don't, I don't know. But you know, and I've had some, some pretty big wins with, with uh, the books too. So it's been, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. So what was the transition from like almost video game stuff, you know, to, to now to getting into the kids books, world, yeah, kids so, book world. Uh, yeah, I built up that portfolio and the picture book portfolio. Yeah. So yeah. once once I realized, you know, I started once I had kids, I started getting books. And once So did you start the kids' books before you had kids no. or no? Okay. No. I mean I wanted to do it before I had kids, but I didn't really know how. Was there a, a unique perspective that becoming a father brought to it or mm-hmm. you know, does can you know? Yeah, I think matter? that's uh I think it happens subconsciously a lot. Um, you know, you you think about what your kids like and it's sort of like just kind of comes out of your hands. Yeah. So it gives you like an audience. Yeah. It gives you a, 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 it gives you some perspective to who your audience is. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to do it 
before Henry was born. That was seven years ago. But I, you know, it was it was one of those jobs where I was like, "This is what I'm going to do." And Elizabeth was like, "Who does that? Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody that. really does that for yeah, a that's living. Not like a real job." Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, "Yeah, you're probably right. It's not. It's kind of. <laughs> it seems kind of stupid. Like, who does that? Doctor Seuss does that. That's about it. Um, and he's dead." So he doesn't do that anymore either. No one does that. Uh, and then I, I had kids and I started, or I had Henry, I had one kid, and I started to look for books and, and, and I'd see these ones that I liked. And I started to like research who was illustrating these books, who was writing these books. And, and they became sort of, you know, inspiration, influences. And, and I'd, I'd sort of dive really deep into it. Mike Deering style, like dive into it and really like head down, research these people. I'd look for tutorials if they like show how they do their books or, or, or who, who made it possible to do their books. And I realized that you really just need an agent Mm. and to get an agent, you build a portfolio and it has to be a, a good children's book portfolio. If you want a literary agent, you could get an illustration agent and that's different. How? Um, How's it different? It's more general. So, I mean, I guess if you have an illustration agent, I mean, even if you don't have an agent, you can do books. Right? You don't have to have it. Right. But what's the difference between a literary agent and an illustration? She only handles book contracts. So if I do, you know, if like, I don't know, Ying Lang contacts me and says, we want to do a cool can and we like your art and I don't have to go through her. Like right. I can just do it. Gotcha. Um, and, she, and she probably would prefer it that way. Yeah. Um, but she has relationships with publishers and that's like her main. Yeah. Thing. So it's She's more focused on. Publish- yeah. It's very focused. Yeah. Um, I, I use her almost solely for all work that I do um, magazine or book related. Okay. Um, and I do some stuff for highlights. Oh, I love that. We get it. Yeah. We I get do. There's a lot coming out because over the pandemic, they've been hitting me hard. So I did a bunch of stuff for them. Well, we've probably got some of your work uh, here at the house. If you get high five. Yeah, we yeah, do. I did last month, maybe May's high five. I did this Wyatt something. It was like this is this kid named Wyatt and he had like choose the difference between them. Yeah. Like between the pictures, like find what's missing or what's yeah. different. That's highlights go to right. And and high fives go to is yeah. like the, oh, the yeah. difference in these that two. That was the pictures. first time I got to do it. I've done covers for high five before. And then I did that. And then they started like, I did a cover for highlights. I did some inside things for highlights. I did some inside stuff for the hello baby one that they do. I did a bunch of stuff. Did you do months. highlights when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I like highlights. Me too. Lot. And they're yeah. really, it's a small company. It's really, yeah. Very small. There's still be like so little, like, to be so popular, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a great documentary about highlights. Really, on, on Netflix, I can't remember what it's called, but share yeah, that really, it's like in an old house in this little town in Pennsylvania. Really, yeah, it's really. It cool. It kind of does have that mom and pop feel to mm-hmm. it. Now that I think about it, I think it's it. still owned by a like a family. Really, that started it. Yeah, so I remember my I'd stay at my grandparents' house, uh, you know, on weekends and stuff when I was a kid, and they would have highlights magazines mm-hmm. for me. They had a, a subscription to it at the house just for me and my brother. And, you know, we did it when we were kids, four or five, six years old. Yeah. yeah I kind of forgotten about it. And then I, dude, I almost cried <laughs> when my, when I got a highlight, uh, delivered to my to my house that my grandmother had gotten for my, my grandma kids. got me our kids too our really? subscription yeah oh dude i, I was like they're oh, great they're awesome. awesome and there's and it was such a it was my it was my uh 
childhood flowing. You're a flooding, flooding back in. And I'd completely forgotten about that publication. And yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad to hear that they're good, a good company. Yeah, they're great people. I actually think if, I mean, I, I'm sure they won't hear this because I don't know how they would, but um, I guess if I showed them, they might hear this, but maybe I'll get Send a job there way. someday. Yeah. Um, I, I always <laughs> think if maybe if like shit really hits the fan, I could be like, hey, can I work at Highlights? And they're like, let me. It'd be really fun. Um, but yeah, so what are we talking about? The agent. So literary agent focused. And I have a literary, an editorial literary agent, which okay. means that not only does she have relationships with the publishers and does the, the, the marketing work and the contract work with publishers, but she also has experience in editing. So we mm. can like pitch ideas. So I can cool. give her... I've given her some stories I've written even just a few days ago and she'll give me her notes. I'll rewrite them. And when they get ready, we'll pitch them. Oh, that's cool. Um, a general illustration agent could be for anything. So they'll, you could be like doing bed sheets or posters or prints yeah. for West Elm, whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's anything. Um, which I guess I could get one of those too. I just don't. <laughs> right. Know. Um, so I, when I realized that there was a difference there, cause I didn't really know I had, I'd submitted some stuff to just regular agencies. Um, some in the UK that were like, we're in the UK. Where are you doing this for? I was like, well, it's 2016. <laughs> I think we can figure it out. But, um, some didn't send anything back. Um, I didn't submit to a bunch. One told me that because of what I was doing with pixel press and, and how at the time popular it was, cause it was in, target it was like all over the place and that i didn't need an agent and i was like okay <laughs> sure thanks <laughs> yeah and, and also we don't do easy. kids stuff so they're oh, like yeah. whatever um and then i submitted to Teresa, who is my agent now who's like i owe my entire career to her um she's like the best if i ever won the lottery i would like make sure that she was so rich <laughs> um and that's amazing and uh she <laughs> got back to me right away and she was like she didn't take me on right away she said all of your characters have these i used to draw these eyes that we don't have a visual here but they call them you or n eyes uh -huh. which are either sleepy or like really happy or really yeah. smug yeah either way and and i never drew like eyes and she was like i need to see different expressions i need to see that you can in the eyes like make all these range of emotions because yeah. it's important and i've realized it's very important and it's actually become sort of my my your niche yeah like why people come to me one of the reasons anyway is because i i do expressions in a funny way but um so i made this like big page full of the same kid like eating pizza and doing all this dumb shit had all these and different emotions yeah kind of coming and out of like, his okay eyes. you can do it let's uh let's do this and so oh, wow at that point i was just like holy shit i have an agent this is amazing and she signed me on she's like let's build this portfolio and i bet it wasn't three weeks later she sent me an email and she said um hannah hannah lambert is her name she's the editor at simon and schuster or little simon wants you for a four book uh, deal Dude. and three weeks you've had this yeah, agent and she's bringing yeah. you a four book and deal. I was like, are you kidding me? I did. I did it. And so like at this point, like, <laughs> I made it. It's a weird feeling. Cause you realize this dream that you've had for years, you know, almost a decade. And I start doing this book and it's just like, well, shit, I'm making books. And, 
And then like a month later, I get one from Bloomsbury. And then a month later, I got one from uh, Houghton Mifflin. And so I have three books like within this All from first different year publishers? from different publishers. And um, I just didn't stop. That's so you know, awesome, it, it dude. stopped. It worked in a in a great way. Um, it, it would it would have this lull, and I'd get to finish you know a few of them, mm. and there'd be the tail end of one, and I'd be like, "Oh man, I need to get What's some more next? books." And then there'd be more, and mm-hmm. I'd get you know I got uh, some from Harper Collins, and I got some from Abrams. I've worked with like nine or ten different publishers. Wow! And then the last one, I guess the second to last one. This was a funny. This is a funny pitch because she. She calls me one day and she's like, there's a celebrity. Um, they want a sample for a celebrity book. And I was What's like, a celebrity okay. book? We're it's just a celebrity author. Famous Some, person writes it. Somebody who's and, never, who's never written be, a kid's yeah. book before. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of times it's a ghostwriter that you never hear about. And mm. sometimes it's, you know, somebody awful. And, and a lot of times the books are, are bad. And, yeah. and she was like, I don't tell people to take them, but sometimes they mean some decent money. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll do the sample. It depends. You know, I think my literal words to her and sorry to any Republicans out there, but my, my literal words were like, I'll do it. But if it ends up, cause she wouldn't tell me who it was. They, nobody told her. Yeah. And I was like, if it ends up being like a book, Mike Pence wrote about his cat, I'm not going to do it. Even if they like pick me. Marlon Bundo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to do a book for somebody crappy. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it turned out it was Kristen Bell, yeah, and which is was awesome. She's awesome, you know. She's great, and and I really like of all like Forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of my favorite funny yeah. movies that I've seen in a long time. She's fantastic, man. And uh, so uh, she picked me for it, which was fantastic. And that's uh, so cool, man. That was the last. I guess it wasn't the last one that I got, but it was the last. It was one of the last ones. I got one right after that, but then after that, I is that the per, uh, the world needs more purple? The world people? needs more purple people. Yeah, it was released on June second uh, of twenty twenty. Yeah, it debuted at number one on New York Times. New York Times bestseller. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that was a pretty big uh, bucket list. Heck yeah, check dude. off. So you're a yeah, you're a NYT bestseller. I changed my Instagram <laughs> uh, bio to. <laughs> New York Times best-selling illustrator, husband, dead father. Oh, cool. Yeah. In that order, bitches. In that order. I used to be husband, dad, illustrator, but then I was like, well. Yeah. Well, I'm still husband, dad, you yeah, know, director, but, DP, yeah. I think. You've moved down the rung, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. Now it's a Move newspaper over opinion. Um, That's amazing, though. I mean, how, yeah. I mean, you were probably up against some pretty big names. It, you know, you yeah, would think that somebody like that that's writing their first book and somebody, I mean, Kristen Bell has her head on straight. Like, you mm-hmm. can tell she's going to do her due diligence and go yeah. go the right way on stuff. She's yeah, you know, she, one of those uh, yeah, people, stays, it seems like. She stays on the right side of history. Yeah, if that, she does. You know, yeah, exactly. It's how I feel about how her... Uh, opinions yeah which not a lot of people are able to do and i admire that did you like the book before you knew who before you knew who it was i i did you know i didn't get to see all of it it's weird it was a weird sample and the sample that i made i didn't um never even ended up in the book it looks completely Mm. different but they just gave me one page and they're like how do you see this and i didn't know who wrote it or what the book was about and i was just like all right and i think they just she said one time in an interview that I I had this ability to hit like a like charm, but also weird at the same time. That's like, cool, like funny but charming. Which I, I 
I liked because I sort of thought of my own art that way. Cause I don't, I don't. Yeah. That's this, a great like, compliment. Yeah. For it's a nice, someone. <laughs> it, it was nice. And, um, I, you know, there's a lot of books. I'm sure you've seen them. Kids books that are beautiful and I really like them, but I call them like kids books for grownups. Yeah. And they're like these like dull, uh, like, sad looking watercolory inky i know what you're talking pretty about pretty stuff but it's like it's not, very accessible it doesn't take any chances it's like the parents can like it the kids can like it it's uh, well it doesn't it's, offend uh, anybody yeah and it's 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 just not exciting in in a way that that a kid like is like oh man i want to read that all the time exactly um it's safe. And so I try, and that's what going back to like how you said, like kid, like having kids has shown me specific things about my job is I've sort of realized at least if I use my children as a barometer for what kids like, which I, I, I'm sure they're somewhere on the spectrum there. <laughs> um, they, they don't like stuff that's like cerebral and, and sort of dismal you know they like yeah. they like funny i mean sometimes they just like paw patrol but yeah <laughs> that's just that i don't like that either but they like like funny bright simple bold things yeah with a that reads fast yeah with a fun story yeah and and so that's sort of like moved its way into the way i i make things which is big and bright and you know, I, I like things to be sweet, but at the same time, I like things to be sort of like hilarious. And, you know, it's I, I looked at, at your stuff and I just looked at the covers, mm-hmm. you know, on your website. And, I, and you definitely have a style that's cohesive, yeah. you know. And so for me, it's interesting t- for you to say, you know, what we started with was was nothing like what we ended up with. The uh, world needs more. Yeah. Purple people. Um, actually so there's a, a lot different. of nuance there. Yeah. There's got to be a ton of nuance. There is a lot. And I don't think it's as perceptible mm. to the audience as I think it is. Right. Right. And yeah. I think that's the same with any creative. Yeah. You know, especially visual. You're medium. like the angle of his eyes are totally different in this one. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, I, I used a different Photoshop brush to shade this yeah. time. Yeah. And it's so weird now. And and that's the way that purple uh, book is, is I, it's, it's actually a departure from what, I normally do. And it really took a lot more time and it was a lot more complicated to create. And it was also longer. It took forever to make that book. Really? Um, How long does it take? What's the life cycle like? I mean, from, from inquiry of like, send us a sample to, you know, released on June 2nd or whenever you said there's a lot of factors there. That one took about a year Okay, from me getting it. Is that that 32 pages? No, it's like 40. 40. That one is, um, when they have, when they know they're going to sell a lot of books, they, they start breaking out the big guns with the budget yeah. and they're like, you can have a few extra pages. <laughs> um, I've had books that have taken longer than that. Um, it, there's a lot of factors there. So some of it, I mean, she was writing it, you know, before that. Sure. And so, so the life cycle of the book for her was even longer. Mm-hmm. It's probably two years. Um, and there's another author on there. I should mention Benjamin Hart, who's a, a fantastic, charming, like sweet man. He's a great dude. Um, is is so, he uh, a, a more of a tried and true uh, kids author? No, neither no. one of them. Have read oh, really? Books. He owns. What's he do? Or he's a president of an agency called Brains on Fire in L.A. And they also have a satellite office in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, he runs that. He's he also runs the um, Chris and Bell and Dak Shepard have a, a 
baby products line called Hello Bello. Oh, and cool. And he does all the branding yeah. and marketing yeah. and, and uh, like identity for that company. Okay, so that's probably companies. the relationship there. Yeah, so they're is, friends. So, yeah, they're so like he's friends. their kind of agency of record probably um, for Hello so. Bello. And then, yeah, and then their buddy. Cool. So they, uh, the story that they have is they were having a conversation over dinner and the kids were playing and they were arguing about politics. And that's where this, Who, this the parents or the kids, the, the parents okay. were arguing about not arguing, but having a discussion about politics that was probably heading into like negative territory sure. about specific people. That can happen. <laughs> and um, so the book was born, born with an E from that conversation. Um, and that's where purple comes from is red and blue. Yeah mix and make purple um middle of the road and it uh and they were like our kids are are watching us do this and they probably think that that uh we are like disagree all the time Mm -hmm. and really the reason we're friends is because we have similar interests we're the same and so they wrote this sort of guidebook of of finding common ground with people but also realizing the differences um but still like you know, you have this common ground and you're, you're, uh, you can be friends. Right. That's um, interesting. So it, it's really interesting to like see or to hear that, you know, these two very, seemingly very creative people are taking this, you know, pretty universal idea and then creating, you know, a, a children's, uh, a way to tell that same story, but to kids with the, mm-hmm. with the same kind of concept and the same ideas. Yeah. Um, so, does does that kind of universal that kind of universal thought of you know we all need to kind of meet in the middle does that bring itself as an illustrator into you know into your stuff does the does the uh ethos of of what the of what the authors are trying to say um does that influence the way that that you draw or or do um, you draw what's on the what's what's written on the page it doesn't I mean, yes, yes and no. Yes, it does in that um, it inspires me to, with specific visuals. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't influence like technical, mm. like the way that I draw right. something. Right. Right. But the style. It might not it, influence um, the style, but yeah. it may influence. But it influences the, the composition yeah. and the um, like for that book in particular because I wanted to highlight. Visually, I wanted to highlight differences. And, I, and this mm. is, a, a, I guess, a keystone of all my... I, I try to be diverse in everything I do, right? And, and the way that people look and the way that their you know, their abilities and their age and whatever. Um, and so for this book in particular, there was a lot of characters in it. And and it's sort of a, a single character taking you step by step through like how to be a purple person and there's these these five attributes that they've come up with that are kind of these undeniable sort of personality traits that are are good to have Mm. right nobody can argue about like i think it's you want to question things and be inquisitive you want to use your your uh voice to stand up for people who maybe don't have a voice you want to laugh a lot um you want to work hard and um, you want to be yourself mm. and, and, you know, uniquely you. And so, so there's this character who, of course, I created to kind of look like a young Kristen Bell. Um, <laughs> her name's Penny, but it's just a little blonde character. 
And but throughout the story, she has all these friends and these family members, and the family members have friends. And so I, I wanted to create this like rainbow of people. And and so in that way, yeah. But I think I think I would have done that anyway. Right. All right. Because that's you. just kind of what I do. Right. I, I don't. I try to mix up who the main characters of books are. I try mm-hmm. to, uh, I try my best to, to have every child that reads it, be able to look at, at pages and be like, Oh, that's me. You know, I like that. Gotcha. So, so that, that's the goal when I make these books is to sort of let, let children identify with what see I see themselves in the characters. Yeah, I think that's fun. I think yeah. it's like that. Um, especially kids that don't a lot. You know, kids that don't what don't that don't get to see themselves in books or as yeah. the main characters a lot. Yeah, I think that happens. So I feel like it's a, so a little cool, thing man. I can do. Yeah. It's something you you know, and it's something that you can do and feel good about too. You know, it seems yeah. like I mean, I would I would I would be so proud to yeah, have it does, done it does the things that you've done, and and it it feels like like I have a a responsibility because I have this sort of platform, mm-hmm. you know, that people get to see these things more so than if I was just sharing them on my Instagram. Sure. And so I feel like if I wasn't doing that, I would be doing a disservice to myself and to anybody reading it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. what's next? What, what, what do you got next? Or did we leave anything out? That's what um, I asked your wife. Did we, did we miss anything? We did not. That's pretty much my story. <laughs> From birth to now, literally, almost. Well, do you have anything uh, on uh, coming you know, up, or is it slow? Is it on slow the times? Horizon. I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get creative with with the writing. Yeah, with the writing and just with my career in general. So I just turned forty. Congratulations! And thanks. And you made it's, it. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to be probably halfway done. Um, nah. And you know, maybe I not. think you got 120 in you. Yeah. Right. There's no, it's nothing saying with the medical advances that we're making <laughs> these days, I couldn't live to be at least 200. Um, um, yeah. So I, at the, at the start of 30, I sort of told myself some goals and it was very general. You know, I said, if I, I need to do what I'm going to do with my life in these nine point nine nine years mm-hmm. and and i sort of did you know and so i figured as i turned 40 i'd set these goals for the next 10 years and some of them are about writing books and some of them are about visiting the grand canyon you know <laughs> I, I just sort of made these like buckets yeah and and uh <laughs> not to reference the Jack Nicholson Morgan Freeman movie because it, <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's that dire yet, but yeah. hopefully, boy, um, that's just become a thing, hasn't it? From yeah. the movie, yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody's um, got a bucket list now. Got to have a bucket list. That's under comedies and Netflix, by yeah, the way. That's yeah, not funny. Yeah, right? yeah, no, no, no. That's a sad movie. It is. Um, but yeah, so but some of them are are teaching. I would like to. Nice. Uh, I'd like to start building mentoring into, into what I do in a, you know, whether it be, uh, like a full on like mentorship for people, um, well, or you, just like, you know, you can, you can Venmo me some money and get an hour of my time and ask me whatever you want about kids books. I yeah. think that's pretty, I mean, you said that you were doing some, you were speaking to schools and things yeah, like that, that's, right? Yeah, that's really that's cool. That's kind of slacked off. Dude, obviously. I bet, I mean, I, I am a, sure that those kids are just think that you are 
you know, the king of pop out That's there. That's such a, an <laughs> unexpectedly great part of this job. I bet. It's, uh, I, I didn't realize that it would be a thing that I did. And I started going to these, these schools. Um, I, I did this camp here in Oak Ridge. Um, it's called read to be ready, read to be ready. I think, um, it's a, it's underserved and, um, low, lower reading score, group of Mm -hmm. kids in a camp who who come and like you go for a couple days and talk to four different schools of like 80 kids a pop and draw for them it's just like it's awesome dude and it's awesome i do a lot and i actually really miss it because i'm I'm not able to do that right now And, and there's you know there's appearances at festivals and things like that that i had lined up that aren't happening um Cause there's no festivals. What kind of festivals it is book fests and stuff. They do yeah. one here called the Southern. It's, no, it's in Knoxville, Knoxville. It's put on by the library, okay. but, um, it, it got canceled. It's yeah. in markets, market square world's fair park. I didn't um, really think about that. It, you've got a really good platform to be, to impact a lot of kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, Lo- I awesome. mean, even locally you can mm-hmm. you know start there. Yeah. It's great. And it's, it, it like I said, it's, I, I didn't really realize it was part of the job and it's like one of my favorite parts of, of doing so that. awesome, man. So, you know, hopefully we'll get to do that some more. And I, uh, you know, I heard it, it kind of goes along with that. I heard this quote the other day, I was listening to a podcast, um, that I listened to a lot called creative pep talk. Mm. He's talking about this quote. I won't say it co- like, word for word it's by zig ziglar do you know who that is he's yes. like a ceo of something i mm-hmm. actually don't really know who he is but i've heard the name he uh it was it, it went something to the tune of you'll get everything you want out of life if you help others get everything they want out of life and it, it's sort of something that i really i've always really liked helping people you know people send me questions all the time and I, awesome. I answer them but i want to uh, it sort of spurred me to like really build that into what I do mm. and it sounds, it sounds bad, but like monetize it as well. I just don't necessarily want to like get rich off helping people, but you know, teach yeah, and, uh, and, and do it in a, maybe an unorthodox way where people can just get my time and ask me stuff. A lot of people want to make kids books and they don't know how I didn't know how. So you might dearinged it. Yeah. You figured it out. Figured it out. I researched a hookah. I, I, I was, uh, it's like the hookah of kids books. Oh, Mike Deering. He, uh, we were doing a hookah, uh, one day in our apartment and I don't know how familiar you are with hookah. Uh, a little bit. And it was a little puck. Yeah. It's like an ash puck. That's, yeah. You set it on fire. It's an ember. And he dropped it onto the floor carpet of our Ooh, apartment. There goes Green your security Street. deposit. And it was just a big hole. <laughs> big black hole and our apartment was there forever that apartment man it was so gross but dude that, that okay so your last 10 years you mm-hmm. said you were 29 when you moved back when you turned 30 you made some goals i'd say 10 years later you made made good on a man i hit him yeah i did it it's weird it's a weird feeling to I, i'm not gonna say rock bottom at 29 or 30 but i mean it was you're, pretty damn close yeah. i was like cashing in a lot of coin star change <laughs> that I found. Yeah. And, and you've had, uh, you've, you've had in the last 10 years, what a lot of people would consider a very successful 40 or 50 year career. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I try to be grateful for that all the time. It's, uh, 
Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you are, and I'm glad that you're that you also have uh, a feel called to, to teach too, and and to and to spread yeah. it out because you can really make a lot of. Im- I mean, you're already making impact on making an impact on kids every day, but to even be able to do it beyond that's really yeah, awesome. It's neat. It's it's something I didn't ever. Yeah, you know, it, it takes a it takes a gaining a certain level of confidence in in whatever you do to start feeling like you can tell others how yeah. you do it. Yeah. And um, what I've realized as I've gotten older is that nobody really knows what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but everybody that that does something has a certain level of knowledge that somebody else might want to tap into. Sure. And. And I think that it's important to let people in. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I talked to I talked to your wife about it a little bit too. I mean, it takes yeah, a. She's a, a great teacher. Yes, she and, teaches me things about teaching all the time. I bet. And well, she comes from a, a you know teaching family, pedigree. right? Yeah, yeah. The, the pedigree. But uh, but it takes a, a confidence and and you know in knowing what you're what you're doing and, and then also not being insecure that you're giving away your, your, your mm-hmm. secret, you know, your trade secrets or whatever. And I think that's, yeah, that's an even bigger part of it too. That is a, that's a funny thing about this industry too, is you, a lot of people, I did this too. Like when you're first starting out, you, you have this idea, whatever it might be like, a, you might have an idea and you're like, this could be a TV show. This could be a book, this could right. be whatever. And you're like, nobody can know what it is. But then you start to realize that, for one, nobody's going to, nobody has the voice that you have to tell it. Nobody's going to take your idea most of the time. Right. That happens, of course. But there's also more ideas, right? Like, like you can't just have one. Yeah, that's right. You have right. to like, you have to keep coming up with ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and you can't be married to any single idea because I could have a great idea and it could go to a certain step. And it could almost be published. And then they take it to a pitch meeting with a bunch of marketing people that I don't know. And they're like, this, this is stupid. <laughs> you know, Simon Schuster's doing a book about this. Yep. And so we can't. Yep. And then your idea is shit. Yep. And then what do you have? Yep. The next one. Yep. So you got to have chops. Yeah. That's you what you got to have. You got to keep churning out stuff. No idea it can be so sacred that it's, it's the only idea. Unless it's Amazon. And then that's the only idea you need. It still takes execution. I'm sure, and I'm sure he, they, they've had to have a lot of ideas since he started selling books online. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to keep keep thinking. Dude, I'm inspired from talking to you. And I'm so oh, well, I'm thanks. excited for you, man. And I'm, I think it's so cool what you're doing. Well, and thanks, I, I'm, man. I'm glad to get to know you, too. It's yeah. been really good. Yeah. I appreciate you coming over. Yeah, of course, man. Well, that's about all the inspiration I need. That dude really came from nothing and started to crush it. That's for sure. Man, that was great. Thank you guys for, for checking it out, listening in. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, go to southofscruffy.com. Check out patreon.com forward slash southofscruffy. Get involved that way. Instagram at southofscruffy. Send me an email, southofscruffy at gmail.com. I love you guys, and I appreciate you listening. Let's check it out next week. I got some cool stuff coming up. Take care. Love y'all. Scrub. <laughs>